so it's Isaiah 43 verses 16 to 25. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called on me, Jacob, you have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. Yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, or honoured me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins, and wearied me with your offences. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, now I'm going to I'm going to preach on particularly verses 18 and 19 of that uh, of that chapter. Uh, so let me just let me just pray and just ask God to bless us while we look at the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, as we open Your Word now, and as we not only read it but think through it and what it might be saying to us, we pray that Your Holy Spirit would indeed be present among us and that your word would be planted deeply within us as a seed that will grow in our lives so that uh, the scriptures will not just be some words on a page to us but they will be indeed life to us and transformation and indeed they will be the good news of Jesus Christ. So bless us we pray as we look at your word now in Jesus name. Amen. Okay so you can all hear me okay yeah? Good, good. Now, I, I preached on this passage uh, actually at the beginning of the new year, but at, at the time I never sort of expected the year to develop in quite the way that it has. I don't think any of us did. Um, but these verses have actually been on my mind again recently because of churches beginning to return again to their buildings after a time away, uh, because this passage originally was, was really about returning home. And I, as you said at the beginning, you're hoping to return to your building, uh, church building in Five Heads soon, and of course some things will be very familiar, some things quite different. 
Now, these words in Isaiah were originally written for a people in exile. Uh, it was the ancient Israelites who were living in captivity in Babylon during the 6th century BC. So they were displaced from their homes, forced from everything that had been familiar to them. They were probably grieving the death of friends and family. Uh, they were feeling the loss, really, of everything that they had had uh, because they'd been carried off by their enemies as the plunder of war. And it's so, you know, when you think about that, it must have been a very hard time to have hope, you know, a time like that. It must have been very difficult to have hope for the future because their minds would have been filled with the past, with the memory of what once was but had now gone. But it's very interesting because it's in this section of Isaiah that God talks more and more about returning home. God said he would rescue them and restore them. And that meant that it was actually the time for them to, to now start looking forward in hope and expectation rather than keep looking back in reminiscence because God was a savior to them now in their present situation, in all their difficulties, not just a savior in the past, but a savior for them now. Um, now in the previous chapters uh, before this one in Isaiah, God actually himself had spent some time reminiscing about the past. So God, if you look at the previous chapters, he recounts some of the most memorable and amazing things that he had done in the past. And it culminates actually in the, the great story of the Exodus from Egypt, which is what God speaks about there in verses 16 and 17 here. So chapter 43, verses 16 and 17, he sort of redescribes the Exodus. And now that was the greatest story of all their history. Their ancestors had been slaves in captivity, but God had rescued them, uh, parting the Red Sea and carrying them to freedom and to new life. But to everyone's surprise, in the next verse, God then says, forget that. He says, forget those former things. Now, why on earth, we might think, why on earth would God say that, to forget the exodus from Egypt? Well, because he says he was about to do something new now. He said, forget the former things, because what, what he was going to do next would be even greater than what he had done before. And that meant that for, for them living there in exile, now was the time to stop dwelling on the past and instead to now start looking forward to what God had in store for the future. So God said, forget the former things because there is only so much benefit that can be gained from looking back. At some point, you have to turn around, accept where you are, and then look forward in faith. And so God said to these ancient people who were living in exile, he said, uh, verses 18 and 19, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wilderness. Now, I think that's a wonderful word for anyone to hear from God, wherever they are in their lives. Uh, with God, there are always new beginnings. I think that's very much a gospel message. So, for example, for, you know, for the church itself, particularly perhaps the church in the Western world today, this might be a message for us, that the whole church in the West, because um, we might be tempted to, to do a bit too much looking back and reminiscing uh, and not enough looking, looking forward. 
what I mean is churches in the West, you know, we've been talking a lot about how, you know, over the last couple of decades about how the age of, of Christendom in the West is pretty much over. Things have changed from what they used to be, uh, especially when it comes to the place of the church in the, you know, in the public consciousness. But we mustn't weary ourselves with the idea of, well, turn, you know, turning back the clock or something. It's rather pointless anyway, because the clock never turns back. We have to remember that God is not sort of stuck in the past. He's not limited to what he did back then. Just like the ancient Israelites in the past, we need to see and hear that he is indeed a God who does new things in new ways for new situations. Um, now, the, in fact, these recent months with the lockdown and everything, I think probably have already taught us that, you know, that we we as God's people could start to think and live in new ways as, as the church. So that's a great encouragement. You know, things do change. They always have done. Uh, they always will do. It's inevitable. But God is very adaptable. He's a living, uh, breathing, moving God, if you like. And so, as Isaiah said, as, as God said through Isaiah, do not dwell too much on the past. Don't let your minds always live back there. See, he said, I do new things today, highways in the desert, streams in the wilderness. Now, it's not that the past isn't important, of course, or that it doesn't matter. Of course it does. But dwelling back there doesn't achieve much. God has placed us here and he's the God of today and he's always ready to do new things. But I also think this message from Isaiah comes to us personally, individually you know, in our own individual lives, because we all, as individual human beings, we all have to navigate that relationship that we have with our own past and our own present and indeed our own future. Now, I just want to read to you a quote from Walter Brueggemann. He's a Christian scholar and he's in his 80s and he, he just was commenting on this passage. I just mention his age so that you don't think, he, you know, he's just some young over optimistic type you know he's in his 80s but he has a wonderfully um hopeful uh, view of of what this passage says so let me just read this quote to you this word from the book of isaiah is addressed to displaced persons who were mired down and beaten and about to give up they kept playing old songs and going over and over old hurts and old quarrels and old failures and old sins and old defeats. The word of God is in two simple parts. The first part is this, do not remember former things. Think how much energy we use on former things. We may do this, he says, in two ways, neither of which helps us. We may remember good old days back when it was all right, and we remember with such yearning and nostalgia and romance we likely remember things as much better than they really were. Or conversely, we remember all the negatives. We, we go over the past in shame, wishing we had not said what we said or had not done what we did. We know our guilt and we go over it. Or we remember how hurt we were and angry and we remember how badly we were treated. We enjoy the past either way in anger or in guilt because it is so precious to us and we treasure our hurt. But then the gospel comes, do not remember former things. 
When God speaks and when God acts, it is a time for letting go and forgetting and giving up and releasing all that is past. So he says the second part of this word from God is this. Behold, I am doing a new thing. That word is the central fact of the Bible and the key to our gospel faith. That is the good news for us. The reason we may forget what is old and past is that it is being powerfully displaced by what is new and healing and liberating. The poet adds with a little impatience, do you not perceive it? Haven't you noticed the newness God is working? It is a day to stop and notice the newness that God is giving that lets our life start over in a fresh place. The newness that God wrought was sending into the world this Jesus, who is beyond our imagination, who brought healing and grace everywhere he went, who forgave and transformed and called people out beyond themselves to a newness they could not have imagined. I am doing a new thing. So that's quite a long quote, actually, longer than I thought it was. Anyway, he gives there two examples of how we, we sometimes dwell in the past. And as he says, neither of those things help us. You know, there's a good way of learning from the past, but he gives two examples of ways that don't help us. One, he said there is, is to look back with sort of romantic nostalgia to how things were. And we end up, therefore, despising the present and perhaps seeing no good in the future. The other way is to dwell on the mistakes or the wounds of the past, you know, to be held captive by what has been. And we can become defined entirely by our guilt, perhaps, or defined by our pain that others have caused us. And so if that happens, we end up sort of stuck. Uh, we have no hope of, or healing in the present or the future. Now, to both, God says to us in the gospel, forget the former things leave them be because I am doing something new for you. I, I always think that, you know, that that wonderful truth of the resurrection and even when it happened, you know, on, on the beginning of a new morning, the light of a new day, Christ had risen from the dead. It, it's such a powerful gospel message for our lives. Uh, and in fact, even in Isaiah, that message, you know, forget the former things, I'm doing something new. Actually, that was leading to what Isaiah then goes on to say about Jesus the Christ, because these chapters are leading up to this, what we call the servant passages in the following chapters. Um, you know, the famous one, Isaiah 53. And in those chapters, God tells us of the coming of, of the Messiah, Jesus, into the world and therefore into our lives to save us. So, yes, it was originally a, a message here to ancient Israel, but it has become a message for us all because of Jesus. Uh, as the author I just read said, the newness that God brought was sending into the world this Jesus who is beyond our imagination. He brought healing and grace everywhere he went. He forgave and transformed and, and he called, called people out beyond themselves into new things that they perhaps couldn't imagine. You know, that's the, the good news of Jesus Christ for us all, for you. Now, in this chapter in Isaiah 43, God goes on to say something about his own memory of us and God's own relationship with our past. And I, th I think what God says, particularly in verse 25, it is just as astonishing and it should sink deeply into our minds and our hearts. 
So uh, in verses 22 to 24, God basically said to them, look, you didn't call upon me. You didn't live for me. You didn't bring me offerings or honor. All you did, in fact, was burden me with your sins. You made me weary with your wrongdoing. But verse 25, nevertheless, he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I remember your sins no more. I forget them. So God, in a way, God is saying to us that he will let go of our past, you know, of how we perhaps have ignored him in our lives or defied him or sinned against him or each other. All those negative things that actually sometimes we think have to, you know, we have to hold on to or we can never escape from those things. Well, God says, I'll block that out from my memory because I want to start something new for you. God says there, verse 25, I'll remember your sins no more. I'll forget those former things because I'm doing something new in your life too. It's like God is saying to us, God says, look, I'm not dwelling on your past. I'm ready to move on, but are you ready? You know, sometimes it is true, isn't it, that we have great trouble letting go, perhaps of our sins or of the sins of others against us, or perhaps things that have happened that we wish hadn't, or decisions we made that we wish we'd done different. But, you know, though sometimes we get trapped in that and we can almost think that that's always going to define us now. You know, what, what's been in our lives, in our past, well, that's always going to define us. But actually God says, no, look, follow, follow my example, God says, I've forgotten what was. You know, I see something new when I look at you. And that's just what God says he wants to do for us. Forget those former things because behold, I'm doing a new thing, you know, streams to fill the desert, as he puts it. Uh, again, this is, isn't this what Jesus has done for us all? You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sins and he died for, for them. And then he rose again in new life. You know, that, that's what God that's what God was talking about to Israel here in Isaiah, a new beginning. But that's what he's actually done in real terms when he sent Jesus to the world to save us, to die for us and then rise again for us so that we die with him and rise again as a new creation. We read that in 2 Corinthians 5. And Jesus said, didn't he? He said, it's, it's like being born again, born anew, born from above. So verse 25 means God does not dwell on our past. And because of that, that gives us the freedom not to dwell on our past either. Yes, we learn its lessons, of course, but then we can move on for tomorrow in the freedom of God's grace and forgiveness and new beginning. Now, I, I don't think you'll find a message quite like that anywhere else. You find that message in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the good news from God. And I think, you know, that that's a God that we can believe in. In fact, that's a God I think we've all always longed for. You know, a God who will give us a new beginning in Christ. Sometimes we act like it's almost too good to be true. But God said to ancient Israel, and he says to us, no, this is true. I, even I, and he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, I remember your sins no more. So forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. 
see I'm doing a new thing. I don't, I don't know any of you that well, you know, but I'm sure for all of us in one way or another, you know, does that loosen uh, any chains that we perhaps are feeling, you know, something holding us back in the past. Maybe you've been struggling to move on. Maybe you've been hurt uh, in the past and, and that can hold on to us. Maybe you can't believe you're forgiven. You know, maybe you've got so much of a weight of regret. Well, let God assure you again, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions and remembers your sins no more. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on that past anymore. See, I am doing a new thing for you. Now, it may indeed, it, it may be wise to learn from the past, but it's not helpful to live there. God says, don't dwell there. You exist now, today, where you are. What's been has been. But the gospel says God is always ready to take you, to take us forward individually and together as his people. So take God at his word here in this chapter. Believe that he's left what was behind and that he's ready now to take you forward. As the author, Walter Brueggemann, who I quoted earlier, said, you know, that word, behold, I'm doing a new thing. It is the central fact of the Bible, he said. And it is the key to our gospel faith. You know, the Apostle Paul discovered it, didn't he? It was his testimony in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, I didn't deserve to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church of God even. So Paul said, that's who I used to be. But then he said this, he said, but by the grace of God, I am now what I am. He was a very different person indeed. It's easy for us to be held down or held back by the pain or even sometimes the glories of the past can hold us back. But God enables us to see forward and to see the new things that he does for us through Jesus, who rose from the dead in the light of a new morning. That's our savior. That's who we trust. And that's our God. So may God give us grace to know that we too have permission to stand up, we turn around and we follow Christ into a fresh tomorrow. And may the grace of God, our savior, Father, Son, and Spirit, lead all of us on in the days to come and eventually, one day, into the promise of his new creation. Amen.